Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? Good to see you. It's a beautiful Sunday. Uh, you'll find today in the lobby and all through the hallway this little booklet that says Opportunities to Serve. I'm not going to make a big deal about this today. I will in a couple of weeks. But it's here and I wanted you to see it. Um, very often I'll just have people ask me, you know, Pastor Tim, where can I serve? You know, what are the needs? Where can I plug in? And this booklet will answer that question for you here. Inside the booklet, it's almost like a job description of most all of our volunteer positions. And it takes a ton of volunteers to do everything our church does throughout the week, month, and, and throughout the year. Uh, every single Sunday, we employ uh, so, many, so many volunteers. And the little sheet that's at the front is just the, the needs right now. So you could use your gifts in any of these ways. But if you're just wondering, what are the needs now? Uh, you'll find it on this front and back sheet. We have several uh, opportunities right now where you'd be really filling an, an important need if you could st step up right now. So anyway, that's there for you. Spend some time and uh, understand uh, some of the different ways in which uh, our church does the work of the Lord and how you could be a part of that. Uh, along with that, a couple of things for the needs of the body today. Uh, just remember the Poppy family in prayer. Norm Poppy is still in Lexington after a heart transplant, uh, which he is... Uh, recovering well from, but that's a really big recovery, making sure that the body doesn't reject it all. And I assume Norman and Poppy are watching today, Norman and Kathy, so I love you guys so much. Can't wait to have you here at home. I think you just got two more uh, biopsies to, to check for uh, resistance, rejection, and if he passes those, he can come back to Bowling Green, and we can't wait to have you home. On top of that, um, uh, Norm's son, uh, Daniel, Daniel, his wife, Lacey, Lacey was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, but pretty important diagnosis, uh, a, a lot of uh, uncertainty in front of her. She'll probably start chemo this week, uh, so pray, especially for Lacey Poppy. On top of that, Lacey and Daniel's little boy, Ezra, has a hernia that's going to require surgery. Uh, it's just a really uh, difficult, difficult time for the Poppy family, so do pray for them. Uh, Donna Metter, still going through cancer treatments. Donna, we love you. God bless you, keeping you in our prayers. Uh, Larry Wynn is in the hospital right now as I speak. Continue to pray for Larry. Also, Joe Price, I just found out, is in CCU. So all of these needs, uh, just remember to pray for those in the church family that we love. Open your Bible to Joshua chapter 24. Let's go to the Word today. Joshua chapter 24. I, I know I can't just every single Sunday set my hair on fire and try to convince you how urgent everything is, but I, I think for the most part we forget what is at stake every time we meet together and every time we talk about these things from the Lord, we forget the importance, the urgency of everything that we can possibly talk about together. I think the basic um, urgent truth that we all somehow deny is just simply that this is your one and only chance at life, your one and only chance at doing what God has created you to do. This is your only opportunity to live, and we let it all slip by. I don't think any of us intend to waste our lives, and I'm not even sure that we know we're wasting it when we're wasting it. I just know that a lot of us can spend the, the greatest part of our time very busy, but not necessarily doing anything of real worth or real value, real importance, and that is a devastating 
kind of failure when you think about it. Uh, I guess if I could give you one question today, uh, uh, as if today is going to be special, I don't know. It, it could be. It's, it's a choice that you will make. But if today were to become the day when you kind of once and for all get it together, your spiritual life, if today you could finally make a commitment to make the change, whatever change would be necessary for you to give your whole self to the Lord, I just wonder what that would look like. If today were to be the day uh, when you turn your spiritual life around, what exactly would that look like? Would you consider that? I read an article not too long ago in an old uh, issue of Charisma Magazine. Uh, it was with a pastor from Uganda. Uh, what most of us don't realize is that the Christian church is exploding with great momentum, great movements of the Spirit all around the world, everywhere except in the United States. I don't know if you understand that, because we think we got it going pretty well here, but we don't. Currently, all of the fastest growing churches in the world are outside the United States. They're in Asia, they are in Africa, they're in Uganda. Um, and this particular Uganda pastor is, is overseeing one of the greatest movements of the spirit uh, that the nation of Uganda has ever seen. In the interview, he was asked... Why do you think this doesn't happen in the United States? Why is this amazing revival, this amazing move of the Spirit happening everywhere except in the United States? And the pastor from Uganda talking about us, he just said simply, America has no time for God. America has no time for God. Now, I don't question what he said. I actually think he's telling the truth. I think he's telling the truth. But at the same time, I, th I think you and I understand something about ourselves that we should at least recognize. Um, do you really think that we lack time or do we lack commitment? I think we both know. We lack commitment. Uh, and for that reason, we turn to Joshua chapter 24. This is an, a momentous passage in the Bible. This chapter that we're about to read is, is incredible. I think it's interesting that it comes at the end of the story of Joshua and not at the beginning. You would think that this amazing, you know, come to, you know, come to commitment moment would have come at the very beginning of the story, not the end. But this is where the story is, and this is how the story goes. And uh, this story uh, asks all of us to step across the line called commitment today. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. This is what the word of God says. Joshua speaking to the people. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. 
Then Joshua warned the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. Okay, that's just, that's the strangest moment ever. Joshua preached and they responded. He said, you need to serve the Lord. You need to serve the Lord. And they said, we will serve the Lord. And then he says, well, you can't. What's up with that? Joshua warned, you're not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy, jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord, serve other gods, he'll turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. The people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. You're a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. It's uh, almost lunch, uh, so let me just ask you, um, what's your favorite restaurant in Bowling Green? What's the best place to eat in Bowling Green? What do you think? Y'all don't eat? Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Olive Garden. All those breadsticks and salad, man, Olive Garden is amazing. It is so good. Who's we saying something over here? What'd you say, Finley? McDonald's. Yes. Yes. Oh, McDonald's. I don't care how old you are. Those fries are still so good. Those Are, are y'all still selling baskets of fries at McDonald's? Yeah, y'all know this about McDonald's? They sell them by the basket. Yeah, basket of fries. Oh man, don't you, just want, don't you just want to put your head in a basket of those fries and just blow? I mean, so good, man. McDonald's fries are awesome. What else? Favorite place? Let's go. Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. That's good. What'd y'all say back there? Garcia's. Ooh, yeah. I love Mexico. What's your favorite Mexican place? We said Garcia's. What? Chili's, Elmas, yeah, yeah, um, oh yeah. Uh, I love, I love all the, all, I love all of this. I love Chewy's, mostly because of that jalapeno dip. Have y'all had that? Because I could totally make that just a beverage. Like I could just drink that right out of the spigot, man. I love that. Oh, man, I mean, I love that so much. What else? Now it kind of depends on what you're hungry for. If it's chicken, you want. Where are you going? Yeah, as believers, we have to say Chick-fil-A, y'all. Uh, we have to say Chick-fil-A. No question. Yeah, Popeye's is good. I go to Popeye's for uh, beans and rice. Popeye's beans and rice is amazing, uh, amazing. So I go to Popeye's for beans and rice. I go to Chick-fil-A to nourish my soul and, and, and eat chicken sandwiches. But now have y'all found Slim Chickens yet? Yeah, see, I found it on a Sunday. Chick-fil-A, you know, not, not there on Sunday for me, so I went to Slim Chickens on a Sunday. Oh, my, Slim Chickens is good. Have y'all had Slim Chickens chicken and waffles? Okay, then I'm telling y'all something. I mean, th this is what the Lord is telling you today. Um, <laughs> chicken and... I, it didn't sound like a good idea to me, and then I got it, 
And oh my goodness, y'all, they're hot waffles about this big. And then like three tenders, chicken tenders, man, they're so good. And they built a little teepee out of them. And then underneath that teepee, they put a wad of butter the side of a cat's head. Like it's this big butter and it's all melty under that chicken. And then they just give you the bottle of syrup and, and man, oh my goodness. Cause you know how with waffles, like I gotta have every square filled with, with syrup. Oh man, chicken and waffles. There you go, y'all. That's all y'all need from the Lord today, right? There, man, that is just so good. Um, but y'all know that, like that's a big decision. I know marriages that have nearly fallen apart over that decision, where are we gonna eat? You know, I mean, just ask, where are we gonna eat? And people just lose their minds. It becomes so important. But you all know it doesn't matter, right? Like none of that matters and none of your answers were right or wrong. There's no wrong answer when I say, what's the best restaurant in Bowling Green? I mean, that's gonna change. It's gonna change on who's in the room when I ask. It's gonna change based on how close to lunch we are. It's gonna change based on time, like if there's a new place, because now Slim Chickens is new, so we kinda like that, but then some other place is gonna open, it's gonna be new, and that'll be your new favorite. I'm just telling you, there are choices that you make and they don't matter. They don't matter at all, and sometimes the least significant choices are the ones we think about the most. Now at the same time, there are choices that we have to make that really do matter, but we don't really think long about them at all. And that's devastating. I think it's part of the sin nature. We really rarely ever stop and think about what matters, what's important. When it comes to choices that you make, I just want to make it perfectly clear. There's really only one choice that is ultimately important. There are lots of choices you'll make in your life, and some of those matter a lot. I know, I know. Where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do with your life? Who are you going to marry? All of that. I know it matters, but nothing matters like this choice right here. This choice matters not just in this life, but this choice matters for eternity and the life to come. You have to understand this choice is the choice of your life, and it's the one critical choice. It's the same choice that Joshua demands the people make. In Joshua chapter 24, the most critical choice you'll ever make is answering the one question, who will you serve? Who will you serve? Again, this is America, right? And so we're the land of the free, and we're used to having choices in everything. We're spoiled by choices. Having so many choices sometimes paralyzes us because we like to leave options open. You know, I hate to make a choice and find out that there's a better option I didn't consider. We sometimes are, are paralyzed with, with too much choice, but we love it. Every restaurant you go into, every website you open now has a menu, which is basically a list of options. We want to know our options because we demand options. We don't want to be told what we must do. We want to be given the options from which we will choose what we want to do. It's just how we live our lives. We are always expecting choice and the freedom to choose even the freedom of religion in the United States is one of our you know, primary freedoms. And so we just expect that people also will make choices around religion. So when we get to Joshua chapter 24, there's no surprise in that passage at all for us. Of course, the people get to choose. 
Of course they're gonna choose their God. All of that seems normal to us. We love choice, we love all of that. And so for that reason, we can't be appropriately able to see what's happening in Joshua chapter 24 and how momentous it is. Have you read your Bible? In the Bible, it's not that people don't have choices to make, but in Scripture, it's never the choices that people make that are important. It is the choice of God. It is God who chooses. It is God and only God who is ultimately free. It is God who reigns in heaven, the psalmist says, and he does whatever he pleases. You understand? It is God who is free. It is God who makes the choices. It is God who is sovereign. In Scripture, we don't choose him. He chooses us. Israel didn't choose God. God chose Israel. God chose Abraham. It is God who makes the decisions. It is God who is sovereign. It is God on the throne. So throughout Scripture, it's not the choice of the people that ever matters as much as the choices that God makes. So in Joshua chapter 24, when the people have a choice to make, you've got to understand how important that is. You have to understand how momentous this decision is. This is no casual choosing between options that don't really matter. This is the ultimate choice. Joshua draws a line in the sand and demands that people step across the line called commitment because he says, once and for all, you're gonna decide who will you choose? Who will you serve? I said last week that there is nothing that you have to give God, that God gave you everything you have, and for that reason, you can't give him anything he didn't give you, and you can't give him anything he doesn't already have, and that is true. I stand by that. I spoke truth. But I want you to consider one thing today. There may actually be one thing you can give God that he does not own, that he does not have. There may be one thing that you can give God, and because there may be one thing, then this becomes the one thing you must give. If you can give, then you must give. If you bring anything to God at all, there's one thing that maybe you can bring, and what is that? It's a made-up mind. Maybe the one thing that you actually can bring to God, and, and if that is, then it's the thing you must bring him. You must bring him a made-up mind. You've got to make up your mind. And this is Joshua 24. Choose today who you will serve, Joshua says. Is it going to be the, the gods of your ancestors? going to be the gods on the other side of the Euphrates? going to be the gods of the people you live around? But whoever it's going to be, finally, once and for all, why don't you make a choice? Choose today who will you serve. And like I said, this is at the end of Joshua's story. You think that's how he would start. You kind of like to know who's in and who's out before you go through the whole, you know, story of Joshua. But that's what happens. He goes through the whole story. And now at the end of the story, he's saying, now you need to make a choice. Now why now? Well, among other reasons, it's because Joshua's at the end of his life. Joshua is at the end of his time in leading the people of God. So at this point, Joshua is saying farewell. He's no longer going to be the commander, no longer going to be the warrior, no longer going to be the leader, no longer going to be the pastor of the people of Israel. So from this point on, Joshua needs them to understand that they're going to be 100% responsible for their own spiritual lives. To stay on, 
You're going to be 100% responsible for your own spiritual life. And that's what I'm telling you. You are 100% responsible for your own spiritual life. And somebody's out there thinking, well, Pastor Tim, what are we paying you for then? You know, and uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm your pastor, but I can only ever make the choices that are mine to make. And I try to make those choices with your spiritual well-being in mind. Everything I do, I try to consider you. I try to make my choices very faithfully and, 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 and very soberly knowing what's at stake in my ministry. But at the end of every single day, the only choices I can make are my choices. I can't make your choices for you. And your spiritual life is going to eventually become the sum of all the choices you make. You are 100% responsible for your own spiritual life. Well, Tim, you didn't know my grandma. My grandma was a saint. My grandma loved the Lord Jesus. So my grandma used to shout and sing. And she went to that church over there. And my grandma, okay, that is fantastic. Your grandma obviously loved Jesus and will spend eternity in heaven. But I'm telling you, your grandma's faith isn't going to carry you to heaven. Well, Tim, you didn't know my mama. My mama, my mama to this day, she reads her Bible. She prays for me. That is amazing. That's wonderful. What I'm telling you, your mama's prayers made carry you through a lot, but your mama's prayers will not carry you to heaven. At some point, you're going to have to say a prayer for yourself. At some point, it's not enough that your mama used to read the Bible. You're going to have to pick up the Bible and read it for yourself. I preach my heart out up here every Sunday and every Wednesday, but I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how I preach. It doesn't matter how I read the Bible to you. If you don't ever pick it up and read it for yourself, you understand, I can't feed you if you won't eat. You have to take 100% responsibility for your own spiritual life. And this is why Joshua says, choose today. Choose today. Now, in the context of this entire challenge and drawing of the line here, I'm fascinated by how many times that Joshua says, now, you're going to have to put away the idols you're going to have to get rid of all the little gods that you got, you know, because it's just stunning to understand that the people are actually having this conversation. Like they are having this conversation about who you're going to serve. And they're all saying, we're going to serve the Lord. And they're having this entire conversation with little fake gods in all their purses. Like they got a little idol in every pocket and they're saying, we're going to, what are you talking about, Joshua? We love the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And they're having this entire, entire dialogue with false gods among them with other idols, other rival deities. Now, how do you even explain that? Why would they even say, oh, we, we love the Lord, we're going to serve the Lord, and at the very same time, they still have other gods. And I, I know, that I, I don't know, no, but I don't think y'all got like fake gods in your purses and pockets, but I think you understand that in order to choose God, in order to put God in first place, that means you can't already have something else in first place, or you can't always be tempted to put something else in, in, in the place that only God is to fill in your life, but that's what we do. So anything in your life that you're tempted to put in that top place, anything that you make ultimate, 
Whatever you put in the center of your life and everything else revolves around that, okay, that's your God. And this is what we're talking about. We have this tendency to, even while we talk about serving the Lord and loving God, we don't really acknowledge the fact that in our lives, we don't serve him. At least not in first place, but I'm telling you, God is not a God who's going to accept second place. He's not going to be your runner up. He's not going to be like one of your priorities among other priorities. He's either going to be your God or, or not your God. You're going to decide. So this whole conversation happens with Joshua saying, if you're going to say yes to God, then there are obviously some things you're going to have to learn to say no to. You're going to have to put away your other gods, the gods of your ancestors, the gods of your neighbors. You're not going to have the same priorities as people who don't follow God. So what's it going to be? Choose today. Now, I, I would say it this way. When we talk about rival gods, rival deities, I, I would just try to put it in this kind of language. And I'm talking about your spiritual life. In your spiritual life, there are priorities and there are distractions. All right, two categories there. You have priorities and you have distractions. Now, the key, the key for you is that you must learn to honor your priorities and you must eliminate distractions. Now, y'all gonna go here with me? We, we think this, you gotta think with me, all right? You must honor priorities and eliminate distractions. What this means is you have to know the difference. You have to know the difference between a priority and a distraction. So what's the difference? Basic definitions. A distraction is something that keeps you from focusing on something else. A distraction keeps you from paying attention to something else. That's a distraction. A priority is something that literally is more important than other things. So when you talk about priorities, you're talking about value. But with both of these, you're talking about what you choose to pay attention to, what you choose to focus on, what you choose to put in the center of your life. There are distractions, there are priorities. Obviously, you want your life centered on priorities, the things that matter more than other things, but you have to have thought that through. And most of us honestly don't. We don't ever really stop and ask questions of value. We don't stop and interrogate our own souls and ask ourselves, what matters to me? What matters more than anything else to me? When you want to talk about priorities, you have to talk about what's valuable to you. All right, let's keep going. Indulging a distraction gives an instant temporary reward. This is how distractions work, and this is why we love them so much. There's a tiny little reward that goes with every distraction. It's instant, it's temporary, but we don't care. It's just that little sugar high that we love. I was talking to a guy last night, and he said that after COVID, that his uh, place where he works, they shut down their office, and now everybody works from home. I said, how's that, how's, that, how's that work for you? He says, oh, it's great. I love it. I, I'm very productive. Okay, I know myself well enough to know that that would not work for me. I could not work from home every day. Do y'all want to know why? Because at home we have a refrigerator. <laughs> so I would eat breakfast and then I'd sit down to work, and about 8.15, I would think, man, I want some cheese. Man, I, I'd love to have some cheese. And, and we got cheese in the fridge, right? So I would be up at 8.15 eating pepper jack cheese right out of the fridge, you know? And then probably 30 minutes later, I'd think, man, I want some chocolate. 
you know, and we got chocolate. I mean, I would, I would be eating my way through the whole day. I mean, I would be standing in the fridge, you, you know, because that distraction gives that instant, you know, that instant to, you know what it is just to get something to eat, man. It just kind of gives you a little bit of energy, a little shot of sugar. It's good for you in the short run, but, but it, the, 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 the reward is very temporary. A Priority, on the other hand, you pursue a priority and it pays off bigger later. Understand? Distraction, man, you get that instant reward. It's the instant reward for most of us of just like scrolling through social media. Like y'all know this is true and you know this is what's messing up your life. You waste so much time on social media. I'm not wasting time, I'm keeping up with my friends. (sighs) Do you understand that Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of them, they employ engineers whose full-time job is to figure out how to keep your eyeballs on their site all day long. In the industry, they literally call it an infinity loop. They wanna try to create an infinity loop. In other words, that you'll just stay there and you'll scroll forever. You'll just continually see something new that they know you like and they just know how to just keep putting it right in front of you so that you don't know how to put it down. That's why, like last week, you thought, man, my sister took her kids to Florida. I wonder if she's posted any pictures yet on Facebook. So you went to Facebook just to look and see if your sister had posted any Florida pictures yet. And then three hours later, Three hours later, you are now in this black hole of Facebook and you were looking at this, you know, like pictures of like the Brady Bunch cast, where are they now? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you're looking like the cast of Gunsmoke, where are they now? And you find out the lady that played Miss Kitty is now a cashier at, you know, Save-A-Lot in San Antonio, Texas. It's like, whoa, whoa. Y- y- y'all know what I'm saying? It's, it's just... Uh, meaningless garbage, but they know you like it. And once they learn what you like, they just keep putting in front of you something new. So every time you scroll, you just keep seeing more and more of of, of what you like to be distracted by. It's this instant temporary reward, but it'll keep you going all day long. Priorities, on the other hand, they pay off bigger later. So what I'm saying is like, you make that choice to just scroll through Instagram for four hours when what you ought to be doing is maybe go to the kitchen table with your spouse and have a conversation about your financial goals. See, that would pay off bigger later. But there's never any instant reward to anything like a priority, you know? And that, that, that bigger later stuff, that's what we call, you know, delayed gratification. And most of us don't operate that way. In your spiritual life, if you can't eliminate distractions and honor priorities, you will not have a spiritual life. Keep going with me. Distractions pop up, and you attend to them by going with the flow. You know what I mean? It takes no effort to indulge a distraction, because that's kind of what you want to do anyway. Priorities are rarely urgent, and you attend to them through purposeful planning, focus, and discipline. See, so like on a really beautiful Sunday, you could take your family to the lake. That would be awesome. It would be an instant kind of reward, and that would be the easiest thing in the world to do. You could also bring your family to church every Sunday, you know, because it's Sunday. But that's more like discipline. It has to do with priorities, and most of us aren't willing to invest enough energy to honor priorities. 
I'm just being honest with you. Prior to COVID, most of our church family had some really healthy habits that sustained very healthy spiritual lives. You have to have certain spiritual disciplines. That's the word. In our church family, people read their Bibles daily and people prayed and we prayed for one another and people would have people over to their house for meals and you'd walk across the street and try to help out a neighbor. That's how we lived our lives. But COVID broke you. COVID broke you. So suddenly this, this weekly habit of going to church you no longer had because you couldn't, didn't go to church. So, so you broke that habit and before long, all of those other habits are gone too. You don't have people in your life because for a while you felt like you had to stay away. But now that you don't have to stay away, you find out you don't wanna be with people anymore. You live this life that's all about yourself and, and all about your family. You're in this little cocoon now, and I'm telling you, you no longer have habits that will support a healthy spiritual life. I'm saying this because I love you, and it's, it is my calling, it is my role to lead you and feed you into a healthy spiritual life. And I'm just telling you, this is how you get there. You have to have disciplines, you have to have focus, you have to know what's important and and what's not important. You have to know the difference between a priority and a distraction. And we stop thinking about the difference between the two. Distractions let you delay or escape the harder things in your life. Priorities require you to do the hard things without procrastination. All right, so you're in the dorm and you really need to study for the calculus test, but all of a sudden all the guys on your floor are gonna go down and shoot hoops, they're gonna go play basketball. So you got this choice, you know, I could study for the calculus test, which I hate, or I could go shoot hoops. So what are you gonna do? Understand, that distraction lets you delay or escape what you didn't wanna do in the first place, but you needed to do it because it's a priority. Passing college is a priority, you know? But the distraction lets us delay that. It lets us sort of avoid the hard things in life. And some of us would live our whole lives avoiding things that just we don't like to do, things that take work, things that take focus. We don't engage in that stuff. We just would rather just waste our lives. Priorities require you to do the hard things without procrastination. Let me say this. Overcommitment is the enemy of quality commitment. Now, in the way I've talked to you, I know I've made it sound like I think all of you are lazy. I I know you're not. I know the congregation I serve. You all are very, very committed people. In most cases, you're overcommitted because you try to do so much. You work long and hard at work. You You work overtime. You work more hours than you would have to work because you just will work like that. And then you work at home. You just work, work, work. And those of you raising kids, you're trying to take your kids everywhere. And then you volunteer at the school and you volunteer for the team. You're taking all the snacks for soccer, you know, games and on and on you go. But I'm just telling you, this overcommitment is the enemy of quality commitment. At some point, you can't say yes to everything good. You have to make some choices about what's good, but what is also best. In the long run, what is going to pay off bigger later than what we're being asked to do right here? You've got to be willing to say no to some things, and most of us just don't know what to say no to. How do you know if you're overcommitted? Well, 
I, th- I think it's kind of easy. In your spiritual life, there's a basic principle. And just understand this. God always, God always will give you everything necessary to do everything he wants you to do. If God wants you to do it, he'll provide everything that you need to do it. Which means he's going to give you all the time. He's going to give you all the money, all the energy. God will provide everything necessary for you to do what God wants you to do. So if you're the kind of person that, that like, you want to say, you know, Pastor Tim, you know, I, I, I wish that I could volunteer. I, I'd love to serve the Lord, you know, but I just don't have time. I, we just don't have time. You know, Pastor Tim, you know, we'd love to come to Wednesday night Bible study, you know, prayer meeting. That sounds really good, but we don't have time. Okay, you're saying something very interesting there. Do you listen to yourself when you talk? We don't have time. Or, you know, Tim, I would love to do one of those mission trips that the church does you know, through the year. I mean, I'd love to go to Peru in 2023 or maybe go to the Philippines or even just to go somewhere in the States, maybe go to Seattle. I, I would love one of those trips, but those trips cost money and I just don't have that money. You're saying something very interesting there. Or, or Pastor Tim, you don't understand. By the time Sunday rolls around, I'm just so tired. Sunday's the only day I got for myself. Well, we could really talk about that, but we won't. Sunday's the only day I have for my Sunday's the only day we have as a family. Yeah. Do you understand what you're saying? Because let me tell you the truth. If you get to the end of your week, and at the end of your week, you don't have time to serve the Lord, And understand, God always provides you all the time you need to do what he wants you to do. If you don't have time to serve the Lord, you are obviously in your life choosing to do things that God never intended you to do. Did I say that right? Does that make sense? If you don't have time for the things of the Lord, then you have filled your schedule with things that God never intended you to have in your schedule. You've got to learn how to eliminate distractions, honor priorities. You can't say you don't have time to serve the Lord. Well, Pastor Tim, I'd love to do those mission trips. They cost money. Well, well, listen to me. If God wants you to go, God will provide the money. If, if when the time comes around, you don't have money to do the things that you feel like God wants you to do, then my hunch is you are spending your money on things God never provided you the money to spend for. Pastor Tim, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. By the time I work and take care of the kids, okay, if at the end of all you got to do, you have no energy left over for the Lord, then you are trying to do things God never intended you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, you decide. You, you got choices to make, and you're making choices. You're already making choices. That's why you think, well, you know, I'm going to put this decision off. I'll decide later. No, you're deciding now. With your life every day, you're making a decision. Are you going to serve the Lord or not going to serve the Lord? Joshua says, would you just make up your mind? A couple more things. Joshua says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Understand, this is not a private choice. Others are affected by the choice you make. Now, this is true for parents. It's not only true for parents. All of us in our lives, if we have any sort of spiritual background at all, we are blessed by the spiritual commitments of those who came before us. As Rod talked this morning about the senior adults who've been in this church family longer than all the rest of us, we are blessed by the healthy church that they've built for us. Understand, they were committed folks, and we are blessed by their commitment. Yeah, I, I am blessed. My parents are sitting right there, Don and Diane Harris, are amazing, committed followers of Jesus. The, the people you see in church, that's who they are. 
They don't become somebody different at church. It's Don Harris, breakfast, lunch, and supper. Every day of his life, that, 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 that's who they are. I am blessed by their life of commitment. Growing up in the Harris household, we never, like you never got up on Sunday and nobody ever asked, are we going to church? Like, I can't tell you how absurd that question, it, it never crossed my mind. I'm telling you the truth. It never crossed my mind. If it's Sunday, we go to church. Like, I don't even, like, we go to church sick. I, I know, I know we shouldn't, I, I know, but we did. I mean, unless there was a bone sticking out or blood, and I'm not sure. I mean, I told you all the story. My mama went in labor with me on church on Sunday night, but waited for the final prayer to go to the hospital. <laughs> Committed people, and I'm blessed by that. My mama used to sometimes play the piano in, in, the, in the middle of the living room there, piano, and she'd play hymns and just sing to Jesus. I've seen my mother just worship and cry on a Tuesday, just worshiping the Lord. And then every now and then she'd get this idea that she wanted me and my sister to come and worship the Lord with her. Y'all know about kids? Oh my goodness, she'd scream at us, get over here, worship the Lord, you know, and we'd <laughs> come over here and stand and she'd be singing to Jesus and crying and me and my sister would just be standing here. Um, and then my sister would always say, this is so dumb. I'm sorry. My sister was like that. I'm sorry, mama, that my sister was like that. Um, but we're like, this is so dumb. And finally mama would say, well, go ahead and, you know, let us go. But uh, one day we walked in the living room and we had a cedar chest there with all these pictures. And my mama had cleaned all the pictures off. She put a big Bible in the middle of the cedar chest with this big sign. She made a sign that said family altar. Okay, we knew this wasn't going to go well for us. Because I knew as soon as I saw it, our parents are about to make us get on our knees and pray around this cedar chest as a family. This is so dumb, you know? I thank God. I thank God for mom and dad who said, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, when you do this, your kids are going to tell you it's dumb. Your kids are going to stand there and roll their eyes because that's what kids do. That's what we did. We rolled our eyes and learned how to put the Lord first, you know. My parents didn't bend for us. They didn't listen to us, you know. I got homework, you know. I've done homework under the pew in church on a Wednesday night in prayer meeting because staying home to do homework was not an option. If anything happened at school on a church night, we still went to church. You say, well, Tim, that sounds extreme. Somebody should have reported your parents, you know. <laughs> it only sounds extreme if you're not very serious about raising kids who know and love Jesus. This is not a private choice. Your kids are affected by the choice you make here. If you only love Jesus with half of your heart, your kids won't love him with any of their heart. If you're just going to serve the Lord part-time, your kids won't serve him at all. This is not a private choice. Joshua says, that's for me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. And some of you are thinking, yeah, well, I know how that goes. You know, he got a home and his wife told him about that. 
you know, because Joshua can't speak for Mrs. Joshua. And you know Joshua got home and his kids rolled their eyes and said, this is dumb. That's how families are, right? Can Joshua speak for the whole family? Well, ultimately, he can't make choices for his kids. He can't make choices for his wife, but he can make choices for himself. And Joshua says, when I go home, every choice I make is going to be a choice that leads my family to know and love Jesus. I can't choose for them, but everything I've got to choose, every choice I make, I'm going to make it with them in mind. I'm going to make it understanding that what I do affects them. This isn't a private choice. On top of that, as I've already said, it's not a casual choice. Joshua, man, he preaches a great sermon. Who will you serve? Will you serve the gods of the Amorites, the gods across the Euphrates River? Choose you this day. And all the people said, we're going to serve the Lord. And then he said, well, you can't. That's like me having like an altar call at the end of the service where I'd say, everybody who wants to serve the Lord, just come down, come down. And y'all start coming like we're singing. And y'all start coming down the aisle and I start going, get back. What if I, get back. What if I did that? You know, because that's what Joshua does. About the time they're all going to respond, okay, we'll serve the Lord. He says, whoa, you can't. What's he talking about? Do I need to remind you? They still got idols in their pockets. Every woman's got a fake God in her purse. I mean, they say, okay, okay, we'll do it. And Joshua says, no, you can't. What you're not going to do is walk down here and say you're going to do it, but not actually make any of the hard choices that, that this commitment requires. What you're not going to do is say you're going to follow him and then turn back to your gods. That's not the way any of this works. This is no casual choice, Joshua says. You're not going to slide in here if you feel like it and then slide back out when you don't. If you take God lightly, he will deal with you seriously. What Joshua say? If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he'll turn against you and destroy you even though he's been so good to you. You're not gonna play around with this God. You may follow him if you choose, but he's not gonna follow you. You're not gonna say, I'm gonna serve the Lord, but what you mean is I'm gonna live my life the way I wanna live my life and I'm just gonna come to church on Sunday and ask God to bless it all. Okay, he's not here just to bless your life. He's here to be your God, your Lord. And if you want to commit to him, then you will follow him. You will obey him. You will walk in his ways. And then you will find blessing in that. But he's not here to follow you. He's not here for you to call the shots and he's just somehow supposed to bless whatever choices you make. You have a choice to make. Who will you serve? I said last week, that there's really nothing you can give to God. And I still say that's true. <laughs> you can't give him anything he didn't give you. And he gave you everything. You can't give him anything he doesn't already have. He's God. But there may be one thing you can give him. It may be one thing that you must bring him if you bring him anything at all. It's a made-up mind. Make up your Mind. Pray with me.